0: Welcome into the Paul Farrington Show, our Week 12 Reaction Show. Paul joined by Robert Ziggy Ziegler and Zach Bloomquist, the best executive producer in the game. Jack is currently in Auburn right now. He's flying back on Monday morning, and uh, he saw a hell of a game. I mean, just an unbelievable finish to the Iron Bowl this year. Bama finds a way to win, Ziggy. I don't I don't know how they do it, but we're sending texts to each other saying only Bama finds a way on 4th and 31, 4th and 32. And they come away with a huge win.
1: No, on, on when they got that sack and made it 4th and 31, because Jack ridiculously picked the Auburn money line as the cap <laughs> of the week. And I, I jinxed it like I've never jinxed you anything oh, you before because I typed in the chat like right after that sack that set up 4th and 31 cap hits. Because <laughs> surely Alabama is not getting a touchdown on 4th and 31.
0: I was talking to Jack today, and we were saying how he was at this game, I was at Notre Dame, Ohio State, and he goes... Only me and you were the only two people in the world who would be at the games where you have such a crushing ending like this. And I said, I completely agree with them anywhere else in the world, Bama or Auburn's taking these, Notre Dame's taking these games over yet. We see two of the more thrilling when you walk out of a game like that, there is some sort of appreciation for what you just saw as dev. And I don't want to compare. Look me walking out of Notre Dame was a completely different level of sadness than Jack walking out of Auburn, who has no affiliation with the school whatsoever. But when you're rooting for those teams and you see that kind of game, still in the back of your mind, you're like, "Holy crap, that was!" You just appreciate how good of a football game it was. So only us. I mean, we are the yeah. only freaking people in the
1: world who have our teams lose like that. But Though I don't know. I think there are probably some Buffalo fans <laughs> in Philadelphia tonight who are feeling the same way.
0: It yeah, thirty-one. Uh, look, that Bills Bills Eagles game. That's where we'll start. That's why you're one of the best in the business, Ziggy. At transitions like that. This felt to me like the final blow for Buffalo. For all the ups and downs that we've seen this season, the Josh Allen that we got today is arguably the best player in the world. And I'm including Patrick Mahomes in that conversation. When Josh Allen plays the way we saw in Philly, there are very, very few people who have been better than him in a long time playing football. And given the situation that the Bills are in right now with the schedule they have, we'll talk about that in a second, to get the Josh Allen you got today and still come up short with all of the chances you had to win this really felt like the final kick in the in the butt for Buffalo where it's okay. You're you're probably not going to the playoffs this year, which is sad cuz I I want to see Josh Allen in the playoffs. I know producer Zach, Union Zach is thrilled about this. But Ziggy watching this game, didn't it just feel like you know, Buffalo had their moment and now they have an impossible task ahead of them.
1: I think they do, and I my prediction is I don't think he's getting fired this week, but I think this is the end of Sean McDermott in Buffalo. Same. Besides that Ravens game to go to the AFC championship, the Bills have generally not won these big games. And it's a shame because they show up, or at least the offense basically always shows up. Josh Allen played incredibly well and through, I think, what an objective fan would call some pretty unfair officiating, right? There was that missed horse collar tackle into that terrible intentional grounding call. The Eagles players were getting DPI and we're doing DPI and holding all night and getting away with it. But even setting that focus aside, it was just tragedy after tragedy for Buffalo. You've got Jake Elliott hit one of the most impressive field goals in NFL history, 59 yards. I can't believe in those conditions. When
0: he he set up, Zach Zach and I were watching the game, and I looked at Zach, and you were pretty confident he was going to hit it, I think, because it's always the Eagles. But I I sat back and I looked at Zach and said, there's no freaking, there's no effing way that this guy's in a 59 yarder in, in a downboard dude, dude crushed
1: it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah, you have that. Then you inexplicably decide to kneel the game out rather than giving Josh Allen 20 seconds and a two timeouts. It was only one timeout because they iced the kicker for some reason, but you kneel the game out. Then you win the coin flip in overtime. You have some missed calls. Some things go unfortunate. You kick a field goal. And then you've got the Eagles just march down the field to score and the game after some pretty tight conversions. And you're seeing Josh Allen. right, It's third and nine, third and ten every single time. And he's finding ways to convert and move the ball down the field. Meanwhile, you have got Gabe yeah. Davis running in the wrong direction. Oh, that was like the There one. were just so many opportunities for the Bills to win this. And it's tough at a certain point when you've got a quarterback playing this well to not think it's your defensive minded head coach not being able to get anything right. The defense has given up a bunch of points. Special teams is a disaster. The offense is inconsistent. It just feels like nothing is going right for a team that by their performances is one of the best in the NFL.
0: You're you're totally right. And the Gabe Davis, I don't it's not a drop or anything. You know, it's just the wrong route. Like or ju- it's just a miscommunication. That play felt to me when he let go of the ball you saw Gabe running his route and it looked like, okay, this game's over here. It felt a little bit like the 13 second game touchdown Davis had, where he just ran, you know, a little post route, touchdown. You're you're walking away, what should be a winner. And I it feels to me like that 13 second game might be the peak, like the best we will ever see this Sean McDermott team. And at this point, I don't know if they're going to be able to get back with Sean McDermott. To playing that level of football all around, that team I think would have gone on to win the Super Bowl had they beaten Kansas City. Joe Burrow's Bengals were great, but yeah, maybe we've just reached our ceiling here. And now, when you look ahead at the rest of the season, at the Chiefs versus the Cowboys, at the Chargers, you go to Miami. It it's impossible for, it to, for me to see them. This just feels backbreaking.
1: And uh, do you have anything no, he, left on Buffalo? He, 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 no, it's not about Buffalo. I was going to say something about Philadelphia. Please. You know what this Eagles team reminds me of? It feels kind of weird to say this. They remind me of the 2021 Titans, but with an offensive line. Every single week, A.J. Brown somehow finds a way to get the team to win. Right. And I'm not saying the Eagles don't have talent, right? But you look at this team and it feels like every single week they get some lucky break or another that lets them win. And I get that in the NFL, you have to get lucky breaks to win. But like you look at this game, so many things went their way right from the James Cook drop touchdown to random Bills misfires it no, just th- it feels was. like this yeah well, they've had the hardest schedule in the NFL and they're 10 and 1 because they just keep finding ways to win yeah. i don't know when that's going to run out or if
0: it's only i'm only willing to go so far on luck now with these when there are good teams a lot of times you say oh they get so lucky here and there but they find ways to win and i i think this was unequivocally an example of who the Philadelphia Eagles have become. They are a tough, hard-nosed, whatever it takes to win football team. I sit back and I watch the Eagles play, and I'm confident in every single game that they're going to find a way to get the job done. On that third and 15 touchdown to, I think it was uh, Zacchaeus that Hurts rolled out to his left. And in the middle of the play, I'm thinking to myself, he always does this. He's always able to make something out of nothing. It kind of reminded me, a bit of Bama and Milrow where just, you know, you have a miracle play like that, but that's what Alabama does. That's what the Eagles do. And it doesn't matter how unlikely it seems. They're going to find a way to defy the odds. And at this point in time right now, even though they're not blowing out teams the way they did last year, it always feels like Philly is going to win. So hats off to the Eagles. I, I, it's annoys me because I'm not an Eagles fan at all, but they're good. They find ways.
1: I'm really excited to see next week. There's only two teams in the NFC I'm really confident in. The Eagles and the 49ers. The 49ers have to go to Philadelphia next week. Like you say, Zach, the Eagles, despite having the hardest schedule in the NFL, get every single tough game at home. Nevertheless, I'm excited to see what comes out of that.
0: That feels like the only team, the 49ers, who can challenge Philly right now, to me. Detroit's a little. Up. We'll get to Detroit in a second, but I mean, if the Eagles,
1: I'll just say, if the Eagles win that game, they're 11 and one, and the only competitor for the one seed is an eight and four team. They have the tiebreaker over. There, yeah, there is no competitor if they Yeah, the, the, it feels like this was the game where the Eagles probably locked up the one seed, and this was the game where the Bills locked up not winning the division. Yep. Yep. A lot
0: of a lot of things felt set in stone from this one
1: 97% uh
0: the dolphins yeah, oh yeah I, you guys yeah. should be confident right now and if we beat the commanders it's 99
1: yes yeah, so like you guys have probably like this this is why i say even though it feels you don't want to overreact to one game too much the bills really needed to go on a run and this was an opportunity to do that and it just feels like this has to be oh cautionary.
0: it felt like it could have sparked the run this this felt like if they win this game no matter how they do it all of a sudden, you say, "Okay, maybe we can go into Kansas City. Maybe we can go uh, against Dallas at home. You know, they could still possibly win those games." But now, in the back of your head, it's like, "All right, we got an uphill battle." And two of those teams that they are going to have to battle with for a wild card spot: the Browns and the Broncos. Denver wins their fifth straight game now. Over the course of this winning streak, sixteen turnovers. The the Denver defense has forced another three today against Cleveland. And we keep saying, you know, at some point this has to run out. But at the same time, we mentioned on the last show, maybe this is just an opportunistic Denver defense who is finding ways to make plays. You know, you have those weird moments where DTR, I I believe he pitched it back to Kareem Hunt and the ball just bounces off his hands. Like there are weird fumbles like that. But Denver's finding a way to force opponents into mistakes. And Russell Wilson, to me... (laughs) He really looks like the old Russ a little bit over these past five games, especially when it comes to his mobility. He looked quick today, moving around the pocket, even on some of the runs. We haven't seen that from him in a long time. And what this offense has turned into, where all of a sudden Cortland Sutton, I know he didn't have a huge day, but he's making some big-time catches in big scenarios. Denver, they still have a tough remaining schedule to some degree, where they have the Texans, they have Detroit both on the road, they still go to L. A. the Chargers, but they're playing as well as anyone in the league right now, and you have to think that they, you know, they do control their own destiny here to get to the playoffs. So, I, uh, I'm, I've been really impressed with what I've seen from them. and Cleveland. You know, they're just not enough on offense. As great as the defense is, I just can't see them with Walker or DTR having enough. Maybe they sneak in the playoffs, but this is not a threatening yeah. team.
1: Well, we'll see. Miles Garrett, it looks like he might be out for the season. Uh, he left the game in a sling and talked about feeling a really painful pop in his right shoulder. That's yeah, And kidding. with the way this Brown season is going, if he's in pain and there's a risk of making it worse, you're not playing him. So I think you're right to focus on the Broncos. And watching this defense, it makes me feel like the Broncos from last year a little bit, right? How many times did we say if the Broncos can just score 20 points, they'll win the game? Yeah, it would have been what, like 14 and three if the offense could score just 20 points a game or something ridiculous like that. Well, now it's four weeks in a row that the Broncos have scored 20 or more points a game and against some tough defenses, too. I get that that doesn't sound super exciting, but they faced the Chiefs, the Bills, the Vikings and the Browns. There's probably three top 10 defenses there. All of them are above average. So these aren't bad defenses they're putting these performances up against. And when you compare that to their terrible performances against defenses like, you know, the Raiders and the Dolphins earlier in the season, the Packers, it feels like the corner, they've turned the corner a little bit. So when you get an offense and a defense that are starting to believe, that are playing together a little bit, where all the pieces are starting to connect and the offseason vision is coming together, you get a team that can believe in itself a little bit. And increasingly, it feels like these Broncos are starting to believe. And if you believe, I mean, you say it's a tough schedule, right? Like it's against the Texans, Chargers, Lions, Patriots, Chargers and Raiders. Those are all winnable games, right? You're not going to Philadelphia and facing the Eagles. You're not going to like Cincinnati and facing prime Joe Burrow. Like those are teams. Each of them has their own problems. There could be a real run brewing here for this team. I'm getting inspired here, Ziggy. Listening to that, Zach and I were looking at each other.
0: I felt like I was watching an episode of Ted Lasso when he's banging on the believe sign.
1: It made me think of the quote. I I don't know what movie it's from. It's like if you can believe, you can achieve. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great a great little speech there from you, Ziggy. Oh, just real quick too, the Dolphins now you know beat another team. Over five hundred, yeah. Oh, just keep adding to the list. We, we beat a team over five hundred. Defraud, defrauding the Miami and Dolphins right here. But you also
1: uh, now have a loss to a team that's not over five hundred. So
0: that's true. Ah, all right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess it goes both ways. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm sitting back here watching the Broncos play, and it's a completely different football team. They showed the graphic at the beginning of the game where the headline was Sean Payton is coaching this team worse than Nathaniel Hackett to where we are now, where it's Russell Wilson has the entire locker room believing. And the transformation of, really, the entire team from the way we're perceiving Sean Payton to the defense. Like, the Broncos' defense last year was fantastic. And this year, giving up 70 points, they were quite literally the laughing stock of the league. I mean, everyone was making fun of them. That unit's playing better, but for me, it's that Russell Wilson is finding, I don't want to call it the fountain of youth, per se, but right now, the Russell Wilson you're getting is you know he's 13 for 22 for 134 yards so he's not setting the world on fire but compared to where he was he is he's absolutely playing good enough football to go and make the playoffs which was unfathomable (laughs) just a few weeks ago so you have to give credit to sean payton who as much as i dislike him he's just one of the best coaches in the league and and you, you, you know this is what you were hoping for if you were a broncos fan
1: Yeah, and I think in a certain way, the tough stretch of the Broncos, I think, was a good experience for Russell Wilson and will help this team. Because this Broncos team has an identity. They are physical, they're strong in the trenches, they run the ball, they limit mistakes. And in Seattle, Pete Carroll had a very hard time getting Russell Wilson to play that game, right? Russ wanted to cook, and he could back then. But I think the fact that there were some struggles early on, The fact that he didn't do super well of the Broncos has made Russ more willing to play that style of game. And now you're seeing the results, right? The Browns were, if any team in the NFL was, we're going to dominate the lines of scrimmage, run the ball and out physical you, it was the Cleveland Browns. Mm -hmm. And the Broncos dominated the Browns at that game. I get that like you've got DTR and PJ Walker at quarterback, but they still won that aspect of the game. The offensive line shut down Miles Garrett. They got a lot of different running backs involved for some success. Russell Wilson made the plays when he needed to. So seeing him willing to play into that identity and the team succeed when they do is the kind of thing that makes me believe, even though the numbers are only give them a 30% chance at the playoffs, so they can really make a run.
0: Oh, yeah. And how many teams have been completely shut down by Cleveland, too? We've seen some some really good offenses go against the Browns and do absolutely nothing. Think about what would have happened to this Denver team six or seven mm-hmm. weeks ago. Almost hang 30 on them. I, I thought that was the most impressive part. Of Christian the game.
1: McCaffrey had 11 carries for 43 yards against this defense.
0: Yeah, it's, it was it was a great performance for Denver. And every single week, they look like they're getting a little bit better. So watch out. But here, we'll go on to two more AFC contenders. The Jaguars take down the Texans 24-21. You know, we kind of pull for the Texans just because we, we started to get along with their fans. We do more and more of their content as it's been doing well on our channel. But here you saw a game where, to many, in many ways, it might have been the most important one of the day because Jacksonville right now firmly sits in contention for not just the AFC South, like they'll win the AFC South probably, but the number one overall seed in the AFC, which you mentioned in the offseason, by the way, Ziggy, that they might be able to pull that off. Um, on the other hand, Houston, they go from potentially – potentially being in contention for the one seed and leading the South to being on the outside looking in of the AFC playoff race. So even though both these teams look like absolute contenders in the AFC, you see it's so tight there right now that losing for Houston puts them out. We, uh, we can start real quickly for, for Jacksonville looking ahead at their schedule. And we always say we don't like to do this, but it's kind of fun to to, to look ahead. They got Cincinnati, Cleveland, Baltimore, the Buccaneers, Panthers, and Titans. You know everything outside of the Ravens there, they'll probably be favored to win those games. Now, I think Kansas City will still find a way to get that one seed, but if Jacksonville's able to get the one, then you have to say, whether or not you think they're that good or not, if you're the one seed and it all goes through you, to me, this game made the Jaguars, again, in contention for, for the Super Bowl. Whereas if they were a wild card, I think they get knocked out early. Uh, but right now, Man, if you're a Jaguars fan, what a huge win.
1: No, I mean, this seeding matters a whole lot. Home field matters a whole lot, especially that one seed you get to take the bye. And here's the thing about this Jaguars team. I think they live and die by which Trevor Lawrence they get. We've sort of seen two Trevor Lawrences this season, right? There's a Trevor Lawrence. They'll throw you for 300 plus yards, make the clutch plays, convert and get you the touchdowns. We saw that this game. There's a Trevor Lawrence, they'll throw for 150 and a bunch of interceptions, which we saw against the 49ers. And it's not entirely his fault, right? I'm not saying that it's all on him. But when Trevor Lawrence is locked in, this Jaguars team is good and they're ready to compete. And, you know, they've got the skill players around him. They've got a decent enough offensive line. They've got a decent enough defense. How Trevor Lawrence plays is going to decide the future of this team. If he plays like a superstar, which he did today, you're right one seed playoff run is in contention if it doesn't they're gonna be yet another AFC South winner that doesn't do anything in the playoffs
0: well Zach's philosophy on the Jaguars is well, you, you, go ahead you can say it Zach throw yourself on uh my philosophy on the Jaguars is if Calvin Ridley gets shut down um then they will not win that game and we've seen it
1: or I was talking with Paul. basically with any
0: game right yeah
1: any any game you could shut down Calvin Ridley
0: that the team becomes inept I don't know what it is, but they just become inept. So Zach and I were playing in fantasy today, and Zach has Calvin Ridley. And I look over at halftime, zero targets, zero receptions, nothing, complete donut for Calvin. And then as I am watching this one, literally one drive, it's like sixty-five yards, a touchdown, and a two-point conversion. I looked up to Zach. I said, "I think he just had a seventeen-point drive," which I've you know you rarely ever see that in, in fantasy football. But when Calvin Ridley's cooking, Christian Kirk made a couple of fantastic catches. You're right, Ziggy. The skill position players on the Jaguars are pretty underrated compared to what you see in the AFC with you know, with the Travis Kelseys. And, and you have the, the – I was going to say Keenan Allen because I'm looking at the Chargers score right here. But you still have a lot of great players, Stefan Diggs. Jaguars have some really good weapons, and it, they're, they're going to be a tough out for anyone going forward. I want to turn our attention briefly to the Texans because – I,
1: just, oh, go I have to say this about the Texans – People are going to focus on this Bills game and sort of forget that there was a heartbreak in Houston today, too. Oh brutal. That Matt, so Matt Amendola is their backup kicker, right? Like Kaimi Fairburn, he's been out with an injury. So they bring Matt Amandola in off the street. He misses one like 50 plus yarder. And then the second one, I think if you weren't watching the games, you won't see this. It's right down the middle. Perfect kick. And then the very last spot on the crossbar it could possibly hit without bouncing in, it hits and just deflects off. Like you could see it on CJ Stroud's face, right? He saw it and thought for sure it was going in and then saw it fall just short and looked like he was about to cry.
0: You could see everyone, everyone in Houston when they're showing the replays and even us at home, we're watching that replay. Zach and I are ruined for the Texans at this point and you, he kicks it and you're like, all right, he's got it, but does it have the distance? And then you just here that you hear that boom. And it was, <laughs> at first, I thought it may have bounced up and in, uh, but you see, it just hit the
1: ground and it was yeah. like, oh my gosh. But when you talk about a game of inches, boy, C. that C. was Stroud, six inches.
0: CJ Stroud had a few throws today but too. The boy, howdy we've been waiting for. Yeah. There's the boy. How- <laughs> he had that 65 yard bomb to tank Dell that got called back. And I, I, I about, was about to text the chat and just say, holy crap, look at that throw from Stroud right there. He, he still is doing things during games where I just lean back and go, wow, he's he's like on Trevor Lawrence level. He's on elite quarterback level right now. And you still saw some inexperienced moments. Like on that last drive, there are a couple plays there where you just can't take the sacks that he took. And it's just unacceptable in those moments. Yeah, it was tough to get out of the situations. But one thing that really impressed me was they had the second and 25 on their game-tying drive or game, attempting the game-tying drive. And most a lot of teams in the NFL, like if you had the Jets or the Browns, second and 25 ends your drive. You're done. And they looked more like the Chiefs where second and 25, okay, no big deal. Let's pick up 15, pick up 10. We're moving the sticks. Like Their offense is cooking. And on defense, I love Will Anderson. I love watching him play. I believe in the Houston Texans defense with D'Amico Ryans. I think given the schedule that they have going forward and it is lighter than Jacksonville's, they got Denver, the jets, the Titans, the Browns, the Titans, and the Colts. I like Houston again, the playoffs, not sure if they'll win on the road against a team like Miami. Uh, maybe if they play Jacksonville again, that's a tough game, but I like them to get to the playoffs and you don't want to play this team, even though they're young, you don't want them in the first round.
1: No, certainly not. Um, I mean, CJ Stroud just became like, he became the first rookie quarterback in NFL history to throw for 300 yards in four consecutive games. When he's on, he's on, and he's always on. I will say a player who I haven't seen getting much attention, which is kind of strange, Derek Stingley Jr. I know people are talking about him being a bust or like he had those injuries and it was tough, but he's now got interceptions in back-to-back games. So he's a player in addition to Will Anderson, who's obviously very good to watch out for on that defense. There's just there are so many players on this team that can are finding ways to contribute week in week out, right? Oh, he might be obviously, the most fun team to root for in yeah. the NFL right now for any fan base. Yeah, I mean, how many people are either? Like having unexpected career booms or revivals. Like Devin Singletary came from Buffalo and is now a major contributor to this team. Oh,
0: I agree. I'm watching Singletary today and I looked over at Zach and I said, holy crap, he's he's playing unbelievable right now. It's, it's Singletary, Noah Brown, Nico Collins, you know Tank Dell has been insane. A couple of his catches are just crazy every single week, it seems. I I don't know if there's a team I'd rather be a fan of right now than the Houston Texans, both for this season
1: and moving forward. And there's going to be some great games for the Texans coming up to watch because you talk about that last season, the AFC playoff picture. Yep. There are three teams tied at six and five. The Texans, the Broncos, and the Colts. Texans play the Broncos. They play the Colts. They also play the Browns. Yes, so They're going to be playing a lot of those teams that are in that bubble playoff picture. So they really get to decide their own destiny from here.
0: And you get that Denver game at home. You get the Cleveland game at home. You do go to Indy at the end of the year, but to be able to control your fate, just you know, like they do, and get two of those three games in Houston is a big deal. Especially because I think if you could pick two of the three to be at home, you would want Denver. You would want Cleveland, and you choose to go on the road to Indianapolis, which is always going to be tough as a division game, no matter what. So I like where Houston is at right now. I think they're better than Denver. I think they're better than Cleveland. I think they're better than Pittsburgh. Um, So they're in a good spot, even though today was a a really tough pill to swallow. It's just, you know, Jacksonville showed up today. I
1: mean, you told the the Texans at the start of the season that week 11, they're going to have split with the Jaguars and to be in the playoffs. And control their destiny. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, it's been a great season, but you can't, and I think this is what I like about the Texans team. They're not sitting back and thinking, boy, we're ahead of schedule. We can take it easy. They're coming out every week. They're playing hard. They're ignoring whatever the narratives are. Oh, we and, flipped the
0: switch. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we flipped the switch in Houston from this is a fairytale season to, hey, let's go win a playoff game. Like, let's no, not just they, get in. Let's try and yeah, win
1: a playoff game. If they don't make the playoffs and they don't win a playoff game, I think they will feel disappointed.
0: The fan base will be OK with it. The fan, the, I think the fan base is hoping for the play, the playoffs, and a win right now. You have to be proud of no matter what happens at this point. You're proud of this season, but yeah, now now you're you're starting to be like, okay, we could be bummed out if we don't get in because you're good enough. You're actually good enough. Like look at all these teams right. We'll talk about the Steelers right now as well. Look at all these teams who are in the wild card spots right now. It's the Browns, the Steelers, and the Colts. I think Houston's better than all three of those teams.
1: Do you? Probably. I mean, how could you not say that? They've got a consistent offense and a consistent defense. Yeah,
0: I, I think the Texans, Bills, and Broncos who are all on the outside looking in are, are all better than the current wildcard teams, which is funny. It's just that's the way the AFC has been this year. Uh, let's do our final game here. Steelers take down the Bengals 16-10. to 10. It's really funny how in the first game without Matt Canada, who Steelers fans have been calling all season to be fired, They're chanting it at Penguins games, Fire Canada, Uh, and Mike Sullivan finally takes over today. First play of the game, 25-yard strike right down the seam. And throughout the entire day, you're seeing a more aggressive Pittsburgh Steelers team. Kenny Pickett looking good on some deep throws. He had a beautiful one down down, uh, the near sideline to George Pickens later in the game. Pittsburgh finishes with 421 yards of offense, and you're going to see this all over the place. But they had gone 58 straight games without 400 or more yards, total yards in the game. Canada was with them for 44 games. Not one time did they achieve that feat. You have to go back to 2020, week two, to when the Steelers offense put up these kind of numbers. So there's a large portion of the Steelers fan base that's saying, yeah, you see, Mike, if you just listened to us you know, a year ago, maybe we would be in a better position than we're in right now. But you have to be happy to see that the Steelers, with whatever they were doing today, they established a running game. Najee and Jalen Warren combined for 148 yards. And they got Pat Fryermuth going. He ended the day with uh, 11, nine catches for 120 yards. Like, that's how you help these young quarterbacks get their tight ends involved, establish a run. And uh, for Pittsburgh, it was a great sight to see because they are still in playoff contention. And if their offense gets going, their defense makes enough plays where, you know, maybe, maybe they can make a little bit of noise.
1: And, and just to put that number into perspective, right? Maybe you think, you know, 400 yards isn't that a lot. Since that time, since that streak started, over th- there were 333 instances where teams went over 400 yards. He said the Steelers streak was broken at 48. The next longest or now the longest is the Packers at 18.
0: Yeah, well, so this it's was come close.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was comp- it was unprecedented in modern NFL history how bad the Steelers offense was. And the people who say that coaching doesn't matter, you know, it's all about the players. You can sort of put people in whatever scheme it doesn't matter what the coaches are doing. I think this serves as a counterexample today. Oh, completely. Comple- uh, look, but,
0: at, look at Pat Fryermuth. His his yardage in the previous five games he played yards, not catches. Here, three yards, two yards, forty one yards, seven and seven. I mean, the guy didn't exist, and he's he's a talented tight end. One hundred twenty yards today. It was. Uh, I didn't want to ever jump on Matt Canada too hard to like kick a guy when he's down, but. It is pretty telling to see, okay, he's gone for one game and they explode for 420 when the, the offense still has plenty of problems. Don't get me wrong. There's still a lot to fix in Pittsburgh, but today was a good step forward. I, I still don't know if I really believe in Kenny Pickett as a guy who can take you far, but maybe now when you have a new guy in the building, we're going to see a different Kenny Pickett.
1: So, yeah, I mean, encouraged. look, here's, here's the thing, right? What Steelers fans have been asking. From the offense isn't for them to carry the team the defense is good and the run game is pretty decent too you've got the players to make things work what you need is an offense that is good enough to let players like tj watt and cam hayward and like let those guys go to work you literally let need, them take need the of offense business. to be acceptable it's like denver
0: last year if, if the offense scores 20 points yeah we just talked about it. they win double digit games just be acceptable like you, you can't get three and out three and out three and out this version of the steelers offense probably goes in and takes care of cleveland a lot easier
1: last week. So yeah, but I mean here's the thing, right? This team's 7 and 4 now, right? It's if they're starting to figure out having an okay offense, I don't mean great, I mean an okay offense that can keep them in games. They've got a pretty easy schedule left. They just have to play at 500 level to make the playoffs. And then who knows? You know, the the division is still sorta of within reach. If you don't win the division, you're going on the road of a ferocious defense and a quarterback that can occasionally put some plays together. Oh, oh I mean the that's
0: Steelers, scary. The Steelers can 100% win the AFC North. The next four weeks, they have Arizona, New England, Indianapolis, and Cincinnati. They should win all those games. They really and should then, be four and zero and be eleven and four. And let's let's see where Baltimore will be at that point. Baltimore, let's say they win tonight, they'll be nine and three, right?
1: Yeah, but then they got the Rams. They got the Jaguars, the 49ers, the Dolphins <laughs> the at home. So AFC it's not North. Gated, I will. Here's my prediction. You know, week 18, the Steelers travel to Baltimore. Because the Steelers won the first game, if they win that, they'll have the tiebreaker. I think that game will decide the AFC North. And I'll tell you, I am sure that the Ravens will not be happy having to play what could be deciding the one seed versus the five seed or the two seed versus the six seed in week 17 Lamar Jackson is getting no rest for that one
0: look let's just let's just say that the Steelers win those four games, which they should. if they win those four games, the Ravens now have to you know I, they could lose to Jacksonville 49ers or the Dolphins. If they lose two of those three, the Steelers are looking at a close out division game in week 17 against the Seahawks. Which would be kind of nuts if that wound up being the scenario here. Yeah, it's uh, it's they're a weird team this year. They remind me in some ways, like I said, of the Vikings last year, where they just figure it out, not as spectacularly. But Pittsburgh sits here, and I mean, seven and four. They like hell, the one seed yeah. is even in play to to some degree. The one seed is in play. It's unfathomable, but it's it's real. I mean, there is a world where it could happen.
1: Yeah, ever since that game where the Texans blew up and put up 30 points on the Steelers, since then, their their next seven games, the Steelers have only given up an average of 15 points per game against some good offenses, right? The Jaguars, the Ravens, like they've done that against decent enough teams. If you have an offense that can put up 300-plus points or 300-plus yards... I mean, that would be huge. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, if Kenny Pickett puts up 300 <laughs> points next week, game over. But you got an offense that can put up 300 or more yards, a defense that can hold your opponents under 20, that is a winning formula. Crazy. here. Yeah.
0: And let's just wrap up the show. We'll go back just for a second to the Thanksgiving games where not, not all of them. We're just going to hit the Packers and, and Detroit here because I'm starting to have people say to me that they think the Packers are going to the playoffs. And at first, you know, you hear that and you go like, "Oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. But then you look a little bit more into the weeds here. And in the NFC, the Vikings sit at six and five Seahawks sit at six and five. That's your six and seven seeds, And right behind them, the eight seeds, somehow after all this time are Jordan love and the green Bay Packers of five and six. And I, it's, it's almost unbelievable that they've gotten to this point here, but since Gudekunz called out Jordan Love, he's been really good. He's getting better every single week. And I mean, he owned Detroit. That game wasn't, it ended 29 22, but that game was not close. Jordan Love looked awesome. Packers go in and beat up you know, NFC North leader, a what a lot of people are starting to call a conference favorite almost with, with the Lions right up there with the Eagles and 49ers. It was a, a humbling game for Detroit, but Green Bay. They're scheduled the remainder of the year. They're probably going to lose against Kansas City next week. You have to imagine. But then they got the Giants, the Bucks, the Panthers. They go to Minnesota, and they play the Bears. So you're hoping, if you're a Packer fan, for probably 4-2 and there. And I think Seattle, who has Dallas and San Francisco, Philadelphia, uh, Pittsburgh, I, I think that Green Bay's in a better spot to make the playoffs than Seattle right now. Which is, again... Crazy to think about where we were a few weeks ago, but with this level version of Jordan Love, when he's on, you know, there are certain guys you watch Kenny Pickett play and you watch, you know, watch a rookie, watch DTR. And like they don't really have the attributes you say where you're like, okay, you know, they can make all the throws. Jordan Love, when he's on, he's got the stature of, you know, what could be an elite quarterback. He can make all the different arm angles. When he's on, he's awesome. It's just can we get that consistently? We haven't seen that this year. But if he gets hot at the right time, watch out. We could be looking at a Lambo wildcard berth. I hope not. I really hope not. But crazy enough that what do you think right now, Ziggy? You, you, you feeling the uh you feeling it in Green Bay?
1: The most important thing to do in the like McVeigh offensive scheme that LaFleur is running is being able to hit throws over the middle of the field and Jordan Love has done an excellent job of that recently. Like during his past 4 games, he's 45 of 59. He's getting 10.2 yards per attempt on those throws. Put that in perspective, Brock Purdy, who's leading the NFL in yards per attempt is getting 9.5 yards per attempt on his throws. So, Jordan Love is doing really well at the critical throws. So, if he if he's figured that out, right? In 4 games is enough of a sample size that I'm willing to start to believe. If he can just figure that out and keep it, then yeah, he can start making the throws the offense needs him to make. He can be accurate. He can deliver the ball where he needs to, and that's going to unlock those deep shots that the Packers have been unsuccessfully taking all season long. I give right, and Love see? a lot of credit,
0: a lot of credit, because people were on you know, were coming for his throat over the past month and a half, and you know, including us. We we were very patient, more patient than most people. And finally, you know, I can't remember which game it was where we just sat back and we're going, okay, if things don't start to change now, we know he has the season and we stressed that the entire time. You have to give him the entire season because that's what you signed up for. You, you know, it's his first year starting. There will be ups and downs. You know, there comes a point where you say, all right, now we really have to start paying attention here. And if we don't see progress, we're going to have to make a move. Well, Jordan Love brought that about as close to the line as you can to saying, wow, we're going to have to make a move before flipping the switch and he's been everything you could have hoped for over the past few weeks here. Hosting Kansas City on Sunday Night Football. I believe it's Sunday Night Football next week in Green Bay. If they find a, a way to win that game against a Chiefs team that's been struggling, it, the, the, the tone coming out of Green Bay is going to be very, very different. And then, I mean, now you're talking about a team that's going to expect
1: to make the playoffs. I think that's a little bit too much. It's Come on, tough for me you- to see him. Oh, beating the I, they're not beating Kansas City. Oh, I I, I, I doubt it, but... No, but the, the good thing for the Green Packers... Bay? So, yeah, I get that it's possible. But the thing is that five and six, they don't have to do this. Realistically, no, there's don't. only... Like, let's say they lose this game. They are still fine for the playoffs for the following reason. They play the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, enough right? of that.
0: Enough of that. Enough no, of no,
1: that. I'm not saying we're going to lose. Here's what I'm saying. Right. Games against like the Giants and the Panthers and the Buccaneers, you can sort of pencil those in. And the NFC. Yeah, sure. Like, let's just we, we can assume they win those. Right. If you look like the NFC playoff picture, what team are you really worried about as you're sort of like on the bubble trying to get that seven seed? It's the Minnesota Vikings. Right. As we've been talking about. Right. Like the Seahawks are sort of around there, but they're fading. The Rams and the Saints aren't super interesting. The Cowboys have like that five-seed locked up. So it's right in that 6-7 spot. You don't get to play the Seahawks, but they do get to play one of those two or three teams that's in that bubble spot. So the fact that they get to do that, if they can win that game, they're going to the playoffs. I if think, they can't win that game, they won't. If that's if the Packer game of the fan, season.
0: I'm expecting Seattle to fade over the next three weeks, big time. And then you're going to have a race between the Packers and the Rams for that. I think the Vikings will get in as the six and then you're going to have a race for the between the Rams and Green Bay for the seven. Let's uh let's finish this up here. We got one final topic here and then we'll get out of here. I just want to say real quick I'm getting a little concerned with the Detroit Lions. And I know that Lions fans aren't going to want to hear that, but over the past two weeks you really you kind of got dominated by Chicago and Green Bay. You were fortunate to come back in that Bears game over the final 430, but Green Bay really annihilated you. And when you go to New Orleans and then you, you go to Chicago, who, who just took you to the wire, you have Denver, the Vikings, the Cowboys. That schedule there is looking a little tougher than it did just a couple weeks ago. And I, I think Detroit is fine for getting into the playoffs. They should win enough of those games to, to be just fine. They'll probably win the NFC North too. But Jared Goff, for two weeks in a row, has had three turnovers. And when you get pressure on him, you, you're starting to see him make some mistakes. And we've said the entire year here, we think Detroit's really good, but we don't really or at least I don't trust Jared Goff to always be good. And when you get the bad Jared Goff, when he's when he's turning the ball over, this Detroit team is very very different. And the Green Bay pressured him on 26 of his dropbacks and that's when we saw all three of his fumbles come when they pressured him here. So next week you go to Detroit, I mean you go to New Orleans. That's a big game. You got like they win that game you're like, okay, let's get back on track here. Take care of business in Chicago. But if you lose now and the Vikings are able to win tomorrow, tomorrow night against the bears. Wow. We're starting to talk about a real race here in the NFC North where we didn't expect that just,
1: you know, a week ago. So, yeah, I mean, here's the thing, right? The Jared Goff is a good player. He's a very good quarterback, but he doesn't possess the rare ability of guys like Mahomes and Allen to just will you through turnovers, Right, Josh Allen, it almost doesn't matter how many turnovers he has because he's going to answer his next turnover of some insane touchdown drive most of the time. Jared Goff is not that guy. So you need to create a system around him where he's not asked to do too much. You know, he can do plenty, but where he's not asked to create things that help you overcome big disadvantages. This usually isn't a problem and usually it works out fine in Detroit, but it means that when you've got a game where your quarterback's putting up a bunch of turnovers, You need miracles in Detroit to win. Mm -hmm. So I think that I'm not too worried about it because we've seen the body of work over his time there of Ben Johnson. We've seen that they've created an offensive system where Jared Goff's usually asked to do just the right amount, where he gets to show off his skills and produce a lot, but isn't putting the ball at risk. So I think they're going to regress back to the mean, which I guess is progression back to the mean and be just (laughs) fine. And let's see what Dan Campbell responds to this too. Because Dan Campbell
0: is, you know, such a positive guy, we we like him on this show. A lot of people don't. His aggression sometimes doesn't pay off. Like the going for it, the fake punt yeah. against the Packers, you know, not a good call in hindsight. But when it works out, you're like, oh, yeah. so brave so like the balls of this guy has to go for it. Now we're gonna see just how good of a coach he is. Where you're starting to feel a little bit of pressure. Still got a great record, but these next six games are important. Let's see how Dan
1: Campbell stacks <laughs> up against. Uh, against, you know, a couple of really good coaches in the league. The next six games are important, and I agree. But what sticks in my – this is going to stick in my head until the playoffs for the following reason. The Lions, the goal is not to make the playoffs anymore. The goal is to win playoff games and go on a run, right? And you talked about how Jared Goff under pressure, that creates difficulties for him. You look at the three best teams in the NFC, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the 49ers. Those are three of the most fearsome defensive lines in the entire NFL. With creative coaches that scheme guys ways to get to the quarterback. I'm not worried about the Lions for the rest of the regular season. But if you're talking about making a playoff run, whether you're hosting or going to Philadelphia or San Francisco, I am worried about this Lions team to compete with those teams if that's what they have to do.
0: I can't wait to see what Brian Flores does against them. I think that's going to be a lot. Those are going to be great matchups towards the end of the season. But okay. We got Union Zach working in the morning, so we're going to wrap up this episode right here. Thanks again for listening to the Week 12 Reaction Show. We'll be back with Jack next time. Please remember to like this video, comment on the video, subscribe to our channel. We're chasing down 2,000. We're almost there. Uh, So we appreciate everyone who, who listens to us and gives feedback. And we will see you probably with a little more Week 12 Reaction content later this week.